Welcome to the Richard Blackby Leadership Podcast, helping people take their leadership to the next level. Brought to you by Blackby Ministries International. All right, well, welcome back to the podcast. Good to see you, Richard. Always a pleasure to see you, Sam. Well, uh, it is time for another book review, leadership book review. Yeah. So this is always exciting for me to learn your thoughts on some of the great leadership books down through the ages. Last week we looked at um, Good to Great by Jim Collins. So this week we're looking at Execution. Hopefully uh, you've all had a chance to read the book or at least skim the book. And uh, so Richard, why did we why did we pick this book? Well, uh, Sam, I... I uh teach Doctor of Ministry and PhD seminars on leadership and have over the years and always have to have a reading list, um, leadership books assigned. And so I'm always thinking through, well, what books would I have uh, high-level leaders uh, read? And sometimes they're Christian books by on Christian themes and Christian authors. Sometimes they're secular books like uh, Jim Collins last week and and uh, this week on execution, again, another business book, uh, secular book, and yet I think some valuable lessons there. And so uh, Larry Bossidy was uh, one of the top leaders under Jack Welch at GE, was on the short list uh, to replace Welch there. And uh, as, uh, as happened often in that era, many of Welch's top uh, men and women eventually became CEOs in other companies. And so he was one of the shining lights at GE under Jack Welch and, uh, and certainly had some rich business experience. And so he writes a book. And I feel like, uh, like a lot of le- leadership books, uh, they have a particular focus, a particular contribution. And this is certainly one of those. Uh, it's not a ex- completely extensive book on leadership, but it brings to bear on a particular issue something that's very important. And uh, what these two authors say is that, you know, in, in recent times, we've had quite a focus on vision. What is your vision for your company, for your life, for your church? And try to, con- uh, to put together a very compelling vision that's uh, exciting and gets everyone, everybody wanting to sign up and get on board. And visions are great, and they look great on a PowerPoint. But what these authors are saying is visions are worthless if you can't execute the vision, if you can't get there. Uh, Too many organizations talk big, but they don't act big. And so his whole thing is that we've talked way too much about vision and not nearly enough on execution. Hmm. It's getting the vision and making it a reality that really matters. Otherwise, it's just talk. And so they, uh, they add a real uh, valuable aspect to that, which, of course, vision is way more exciting. Uh, the leader gets up and talks about what it's going to look like when we have this huge mega church that right now we're just starting a, a, a new church plant, but one day it's going to be this, or this small company will one day have a worldwide impact, and, or this uh, political campaign, one day we'll be changing the nation. And, uh, and so we we have this bold vision that we love to talk about. But what these authors will say is that too often that's all it is. It's talk. And it, it's not that we don't want it to happen. It's just that we don't give nearly enough attention to those factors that will make or break the vision. 
Uh, and so there's plenty of visions that have gone to the dustbin because uh, we didn't know how to execute the vision. We didn't know how to get there. And so this is a real kind of a hands-on approach uh, to say, here's the kind of things you need to do to actually make uh, your organization have the kind of culture that uh, executes. Does it, some, some cultures in organizations talk. I know a lot of churches like that. A lot of church meetings, we, we just spend the whole uh, church council meeting talking about what we'd like to see happen. But we don't talk about how to make it happen. We don't act mm. on it. We leave meetings having talked a lot, but no plans specifically to get it done. And so that's what execution is. And I mean, let me just read a couple of, of quotes from the book and then just kind of highlight a couple of things. Uh, he's, they say, execution is a systematic process of rigorously discussing hows and whats, questioning, tenaciously following through, and ensuring accountability. It includes making assumptions about the business environment, assessing the organization's capabilities, linking strategy to operations, and the people who are going to implement the strategy, synchronizing those people and their various disciplines, and linking rewards to outcomes. It also includes mechanisms for changing assumptions as the environment changes and upgrading the company's capabilities to meet the challenges of an ambitious strategy. Uh, in its most fundamental sense, execution is a systematic way of exposing reality and acting on it. And then they say, most companies don't face reality very well. And I thought that was quite compelling. Uh, and so what he says is, first, you've got to be honest about what is the reality. A, a lot of visions, even as someone is uh, dramatically telling you what their vision is, you're thinking to yourself, this guy's out of touch. <laughs> That's just not how it's going to happen. It's too big. Uh, they're not set up for that kind of uh, that kind of vision. It's too big for who they are. Uh, they don't have the personnel to carry that out. They don't have the kind of organization. Here's an organization that has systematically failed to meet its goals year after year, but now the new leader is saying that they're going to have huge goals beyond what they've ever tried before. And yet the reality would suggest that uh, it, it's just not possible for who they are right now. So they, they, they say, ask questions, um, talk uh, vigorously through issues. And, and one of the things they say is that uh, they, they say lots of business leaders like to think that the top dog is exempt from the details of actually running things. And so they say that they feel like the top leader just shares the vision. He give, goes around giving inspiring speeches, but they don't uh, get their hands dirty. They don't walk the shop floor. They don't look at each uh, aspect of the organization to say, is this going to help us get to the vision or is this going to hold us back? There's a great story about John Rockefeller who was, would walk through the various oil refineries that uh, his company owned. And at one point he was watching them putting, uh, sod soldering a, the, the lid onto a, a barrel of oil. And traditionally they would put 40 different solders on it to, to, to put the the, the uh, lid on properly. And so he's thinking to himself, hey, could we do this with just 38 instead of 40? And so they tried it, and it, there was still some leakage periodically. But when they put 39 on those lids, they held just as well. So he said, okay, let's stop just putting 40 on. Let's just put 39 on. 
Well, in time, just saving one uh, of those uh, on a barrel of oil when they were selling millions of barrels of oil led to hundreds of thousands of dollars of savings. Well, this is the top guy walking through the warehouse, uh, the refinery, and just reducing by one uh, uh, the the way that they put the lids on oil barrels of oil, and he saves hundreds of thousands of dollars. Well, there's a reason why some organizations never achieve their vision because they're just doing things that cost them too unnecessary expenditures or effort. Yeah, uh, and and so one of the things they say is that a leader is looking at the processes and saying, why is, is there something in our organization that would hold us back? One other quote is just, uh, they said, only the leader can set the tone of the dialogue in the organization. Dialogue is the core of culture and the basic unit of work. How people talk to each other absolutely determines how well the organization will function. And uh, I think that's just, there's a lot of very practical focuses in this book that says, uh, a lot of leaders really don't know their organization very well. So, for instance, a pastor can say, well, our church is going to impact our neighborhood. But he doesn't really know his people. His people aren't in the neighborhood. They're maybe at the church all the, in all their free time. They're not in the neighborhood. They don't have time to reach out to their neighbor because every night they're at a church meeting at the church building. Uh, or they've never been trained uh, to, to be evangelistic. So this pastor has a great vision of his church being this missionary church, but uh, maybe it's a pastor who wants his church to go around the world making disciples of all nations, but almost none of his church members have a passport. Uh, They're they're not equipped to travel. Uh, And so he wants his church to touch the nations, but they can't even get out of their own country. Uh, So wise leaders uh, look at reality and say, what needs to change if we truly are going to be able to achieve these goals? How do you, as a leader, um, become good at executing? Well, there's several things I think that you need to do. One is you have to know your organization well. You have to walk the floor and you have to ask questions. Don't make assumptions. Uh, talk to your people and uh, find out, uh, do, do we have the resources necessary? Do we have the people that we'll need to have? Uh, and, and look at the culture of your organization. There are cultures that just love to talk, that just love to make speeches. I, there are organizations that will have a three-hour-long meeting of, of its leaders, and they'll walk away, and absolutely nothing is going to be done. And, and so one of the areas I think particularly that leaders have to be sensitive to are, are meetings. There, I've, I've been in those meetings. I'm sure you have too, Sam, mm-hmm. where uh, churches are notorious for this where there's a whole lot of unnecessary talk that goes on. For instance, uh, you, you go to a meeting, and everybody around the table has to give a report on what they have or have not been doing. There's nothing worse than people reporting and taking five minutes to tell you that they didn't meet or do anything since the previous <laughs> meeting. That's like the ultimate waste of time. You know, and I, I've, I've been in church business meetings where they did that. People came up, well, we didn't have time to meet last month. We're hoping to meet this coming month, and... Uh, and Bill was on vacation, and I was out and had a, an appendectomy, and so I didn't have time really to do what I'd hoped to do, but we're hoping next month perhaps to do more. And now you've just wasted everybody's time for the last five minutes to, to report you've done nothing. Uh, and so those kind of meetings where you, there's a whole lot of talk going on, but no actions. Or maybe they do identify a number of things that need to be done, but uh, 
but then they, the, the meeting ends and no one has been assigned to follow through. There's, there's yeah. no follow-up. There's that, no practical steps. That was a big, a big uh, point that he, he kept coming back to is the follow-through. Yeah, to say, so who's going to be in charge of this? Who will report back? Yeah. Who, what action steps will be taken? Yeah, and what exactly is it that you're going to be doing? Yeah, and so that we and so we can measure that. So when we come back, there's accountability. We can say, okay, George, you were tasked with this. Uh, what what did you find out? What did you do? Uh, if if uh, our listeners perhaps uh, have never read anything by Patrick Lencioni, uh, he has some great uh, books on that. There's a uh, one of my favorites of his is called Death by Meeting, <laughs> and uh, he if you, if Some, somehow I'm not surprised that's a favorite. <laughs> If you're not uh, familiar with Lencioni, he uh, he writes parables, and so these are fictitious stories that illustrate key leadership issues. And so uh, he's got some. There's another good one called "The Five Dysfunctions of a Team," and I've got four or five of his books. They're always entertaining, but they highlight uh, very practical, relevant leadership issues. And so his whole uh, parable about death by meeting is, I think, something every leader ought to read where it talks about how to have an effective meeting, where there's follow-through, there's accountability, the time's not wasted. I, especially church meetings, uh, typically there's not an agenda, there's not a focus, there's not accountability. It's just, let's just make sure everybody feels important and has, gets their say, yeah. whether it has anything to do with the topic. Uh, we've, we've talked, we all feel... Now, we could have all just sent each other a quick... A group email and and sent a report of of our activities, but we had to have them all come to the church to verbally tell us those things and waste a whole bunch of time. And nothing's going to be done, and, and we'll just meet next month and we'll talk some more. And so I, I really like uh, the execution's approach to say, look at your meetings. Are they getting results? Are they productive? Are people being held accountable? A couple other things he does. He uh, he also says um, deal with uh, underperformers or non-performers, and I think that's one of the biggest issues. Yeah. In so many organizations, is there's always deadwood, uh, especially in larger organizations. People can uh, they're, they're, they focus on holding a position instead of being effective, instead of getting results. And uh, I think it was Churchill that once said uh, leaders. You, you, you don't measure leaders by the speeches they give, by the passion they have, by the vision they have. You measure leaders by the results. Leaders are paid to get results. That's, what, that's why you have a leader. And uh, oftentimes what happens is, and I see this in working with pastors often, a uh, pastor comes to church and this church is, has been declining for years. They can't turn the church around. They can't get it to grow. They can't stop the bleeding. But when you talk to the leader... I mean, the, the number one result they need to do is to get church, the church revived, to get it back on its feet, to get it back into a growth uh, trajectory instead of, a, instead of declining. But when you talk to them, they'll say, well, I've been working really hard. Well, I want to say, you're not, you were not hired to work hard. You were hired to get results, and you're not getting results. You're, working hard is not a substitute for results. Mm-mm. Or someone says, well, I'm doing everything I know to do. And I would say, well... You're not paid to do everything you know to do. You're paid to get results. You may not currently know what you need to to know to get those results. So go learn something. Don't we don't want to be limited to you only doing what you know to do. We want you to 
find out what you, you need to, to know so you can get the results you've been hired to get. And so uh, we, we just have way too many people, especially down the ranks, that you stop and you look and you realize they are not getting any results. Uh, they were assigned to recruit students for this seminary or they were assigned to raise money for this organization or uh, they're, they're hired to make sales uh, or to, to do whatever and uh, they're not making any sales. They've been yeah. here six months. They haven't sold anything. Well, I like what uh, Bossidy pointed I think it was him that pointed it out that at one point he had to fire someone and he had to recognize that it was as much his fault for wrongly hiring that person um, as it was that person's for, for accepting the job. Right. Um, and so it's... Yeah. And I and I have a problem too. You're right. Sometimes you just hired someone who was not suited for the job in the first place. So don't blame them if you just poorly hired. But also if you've got someone who's not been performing for six months and now six months later you're complaining... Uh, where were you those six months? Well, yeah. You, after the first week, you should have stepped in to say, hey, let me just walk with you here and, and see what you're facing. Or after a month or two months, should have sat down and said, hey, let's look at these results. That's that's not good. We need to make some adjustments. Let me help you think that through. But but sometimes it's I think it's somewhat unfair uh, for a manager to just arbitrarily fire someone because for six months or a year, they haven't gotten the right results when... You haven't done a thing to help them yeah. get the tooling they needed, send them to a conference, uh, give them a coach, whatever you need to. But um, so, but ultimately, uh, and I, th- I think the problem is that you know we sometimes we're too sympathetic. Uh, you know, they'll say, "Well, the guy's not really getting a lot of work done, but he's a really nice guy." And I want to say, nowhere on his job description does it say, <laughs> we're hiring you to be a nice guy. We just want to have a nice guy on the premises. Uh, we, we're not, you're not paid to be a nice guy. I'm, I'm glad that you're a nice person. But you're paid to get results, and you're not getting those results. And sometimes people will get really resentful. And, I mean, they'll admit. they say, well, yeah, we haven't grown. We haven't gotten the results. But, you know, I've worked hard. I've done my best. And... At times, I would have to say, well, it's become clear that your best is not good enough. Uh, your best is not getting the results we need. And so we need to release you to find some kind of work that you can do where your best is good enough. And, uh, and we're going to have to hire someone who has the skill set we need to get the results that we need. Yeah. Well, let's take a quick break here, and then we'll wrap up. Twice a year, Black Bee Ministries hosts a spiritual leadership coaching workshop in the Atlanta area. The focus of this workshop is learning how to ask the right questions to help move people onto God's agenda. If this sounds like something you're interested in, the next workshop dates are October 24th to 26th and registration is open now. The early bird rate is available until September 30th and space is limited. To find out more and to register, visit blackbeecoaching.org. We'll also leave links in the show notes. So, Richard, we've taken a look at some of the points of execution, the book, not the action. <laughs> uh, but are there any areas that you disagree or uh, you find uh, you can critique? Yeah, I, I, I think uh, overall this focus on of execution is a key one. I think every uh, leader needs to read this book. I think if you read Good to Great, you read Execution, I, I, there, there are some books on uh, vision that would be good to read, but... Uh, but execution, at the end of the day, it's not what you dreamed about doing; it's what you did. And 
creating a, a kind of culture in your organization that gets stuff done. That when you have meetings, you don't say, uh, let's, let's talk about what you want to do. Let's talk about what you are doing. Let's talk about the results you are getting, uh, not about the yeah. results you want to get. Um, when, let's, let's create a culture so that when we sit around a meeting uh, and discuss what needs to be done, that we all walk away knowing exactly what our part will be in getting that done, what we'll do uh, and how we'll be measured, how we'll be held accountable. And, uh, and creating a culture in which non-performers get feeling really uncomfortable because the performers are getting rewarded and promoted. The non-performers are getting the heat put on to either perform or, or ultimately to get out. And so, uh, so those are all, I think, real positive things. But uh, just one or two critiques or cautions I would give. And one is, of course, that this is a secular book. And Larry Bossidy was known as a pretty hard-driving uh, CEO who, who did get results quarter after quarter. Um, but I, I think you do have to be careful because even though I think leaders do get results, I think it's important to measure results. That you do need to be careful, though, that as we've said, even in our leadership definition, that leaders lead people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and people are not results. You, you Ultimately, you, you do want to get results for your organization, but you don't want to lose sight of the fact that it's about people. And the danger, of course, in this is that we become so results-oriented that um, we begin to use use people instead yeah. of, and they become a means, not an end. And the, you look at those people to say, well, we're only getting this much results from this person. Maybe if we fire them and get someone else, we'll get a little bit more results. And so I think you always have to be careful uh, and, and be patient with people. And as we said uh, before, uh, if people aren't getting the results they need, maybe you need to invest in those people yeah. and be people-centered and focused so that uh, in time they will get more results. And so there, there's always that tension, I think, certainly when it comes to church work. Now, I think people, staff and leaders in churches should get results too or that you should find someone else to do the job. But it is uh, Christ's church, and he ultimately builds it. And so if you're just year by year never getting results, I think you really need to be held accountable. But at the same time, I would also say be careful that you don't become so results-driven that you become a harsh taskmaster Mm. and that you use people in order to get your results that you want, Uh, but rather that you are a blessing to the people that you work with. Uh, One other thing just about this book is because uh, Bossidy worked so long with uh, Jack Welch, who, of course, is generally recognized as a, a, a very strong business leader. Uh, there's lots of references to Welch. He's kind of held up as yeah. the ideal leader throughout the book. And, uh, of course, he had his faults, too. He's a pretty ab- abrasive person in some ways. Uh, he was very results-oriented and uh, kind of a larger-than-life figure in some ways. So he did get some amazing results in his leadership tenure. But uh, you all, and it's not that he's the only person that they reference, but he's probably the most prominent just because sure. of their background. And so, you know, you could look at that as well, maybe as a small critique to say there's lots of other examples out there. And they, they do use some other examples, but uh, yeah. it's definitely Welch dominated as For far sure. as that goes. And, and that's understandable. That's their experience that they had. But Welch also had his flaws. And I think they would acknowledge that, but uh, 
he he comes across pretty positively uh, repeatedly throughout the book. So if you're not a Welch fan, <laughs> that then yeah. that may be a distraction. But overall, I think it, we live in an age where we can't afford not to execute. Uh, mm-hmm. People don't want talk. They don't want bold, colorful visions. They want organizations that get results, and they're looking for leaders and who get results. And certainly, as a leader myself, if I'm going to hire somebody, I don't, I don't want someone who talks about it. Uh, I want someone who does it. Yeah. Uh, I once was interviewing for a, church, a, a professor to be a church planter, and uh, I, a person came to my office, had a uh, attractive resume, but uh, uh, he had developed a whole software program to help church planters and had uh, written various articles uh, in church planting magazines. The only problem was he'd never actually planted a, a church. And he, he could talk about results, but he'd never gotten those results. Mm. And I was reluctant uh, to hire someone who could talk about results but not get them. Yeah, uh, and uh, and oftentimes leaders need to just see through that to say he's talking about results. He's talking about the results he'd like to get or that he expects to get, but I want to talk about actual results. And I think when you have that accountability and that kind of culture, you can become the organization that gets a lot of things done hmm. and does not make excuses for not getting things done. And so this is a helpful book. I think you have to read it. Uh, and and probably insert a little bit of grace in there. Yeah. He does talk about coaching people, that that's an important aspect of coaching your people so that they can produce more results. So he's not just completely harsh in that regard. But uh, it's a good book just to read through and then uh, look at whatever you're leading, look at your own leadership and ask yourself, am I truly getting the results that uh, my organization needs me to get or am I making excuses Am I explaining away a lack of results hmm. instead of making the adjustments I need so I actually get the results that my organization needs me to get? Yeah, and I, you know, I think their background is in very large organizations, and mm-hmm. so it's very there's a lot of rigid structure. But I think what I like about this book is that it uh, lays out a framework for execution for getting results yeah. that I think you you can take and fit to whatever organization, large or small, that you lead uh, to kind of help guide that. Yeah, it's a, it's a mindset. And, and of course, as you saw, as you read it as well, uh, it's, it, it, all, it, it always goes back to the leader, the kind yeah. of behavior that, that they see in the leader, the, the, the places the leader looks, the, the, the language the leader uses, uh, the, the, the performance he praises, and uh, the performance that is viewed as unacceptable. In time, that affects the culture, and you you certainly want a culture of execution Mm -hmm. in whatever organization that you're in. Well, great. Uh, I hope this has been a a helpful review of Execution by Larry uh, Bossidy and Ram Sharan, and hope you guys have have enjoyed this and hopefully learned something and can apply it to your own leadership. Uh, Our next book review... Richard, yeah. what, what are we looking at next? Well, I thought we'd go with one more secular book. Uh, we'll, we'll get some Christian books in here as well. But uh, I thought we'd go back to one of the, the classics. And you know me. I Way like back. I like to go to the classics when I was just a <laughs> young Church, man Church myself. Churchill, anyone? Uh, yeah. Well, we could do that. Uh, but uh, if, if you have read much in leadership, uh, leadership theory did not begin with John Maxwell. Uh, it goes back a little further than that. You don't that. say. <laughs> and uh, Peter Drucker. 
is, in my mind, one of the founding gurus of leadership thought. Uh, he is uh, someone that so many of the later gurus uh, studied under and were influenced by. And he's got a little book called The Effective Executive. The, the byline is The Definitive Guide to Getting the Right Things Done. And I thought he, this is written and published around ni- in the late 1960s. So it's a little dated in some ways, but, but what he talks about um, as he analyzes leadership, I think there, there's just a lot of great uh, wisdom. You can just tell this guy, especially if you consider he's writing it in the 60s, is a brilliant man. But also, he's going to talk about things like, for instance, highly effective leaders. You're going to realize as you read this, boy, Stephen Covey got a lot of his stuff from Drucker. And you'll notice on several occasions, I'll think of another popular leadership writer who wrote later, and you know that you can just see right away. They just they just drew their stuff from him. Certainly Covey is one. Yeah. There's a couple others as well. So I just thought, let's let's go back to an earlier writer. And you know you have to kind of sort through the, the computer is just... Uh, developing as a major force at this point, but uh, you can tell that he's pretty um, uh, far-sighted even in recognizing kind of the implications of some of this. Yeah. But when it comes to managing your time and making decisions and so on, um, he has uh, some great things to say. So we'll we'll go back next uh, for next month. Uh, I think it's good just to go back to some of the early writers on leadership, and, and Drucker, in my mind, is probably the greatest of the early writers. And uh, then we'll we'll do some more modern stuff in the Great. months to come. Great. Well, I'm looking forward to that. And we'll also leave links uh, to that book in the show notes. So until next time. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If this is something you enjoyed, review us on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. If you have questions or comments, please email us at podcast at blackbee.org.